Raven Man. Amen. I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna let no, 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 no. get absolutely soaking wet. <laughs> do, do, do. It's raining men. Hallelujah, it's raining men. Amen. This is welcome to our uh, doo-wop group. <laughs> doo-wop and doo-wop and doo-wop. It's doo-wop. Welcome to the 50 Our Stage podcast, uh, where we talk about yeast infections <laughs> and other vaginal infections, like a UTI. Um, don't go, don't go from the ass to the vagina. <laughs> Stop people. it! This is a sex podcast. We're giving sex advice. We give very serious sex <laughs> advice up. coming from a, a heartfelt place that is our own vagina. <laughs> yeah, save yourself a UTI on Thanksgiving Day and oh. don't go from. I didn't have sex Thanksgiving Day. Gonna. Right. It's okay if you did. I mean, but no I one didn't. would judge you. Um, <laughs> but I had to go to urgent care and get. <laughs> I didn't take a pregnancy test on a family vacation. It's fine. It hey, happens. It's great. One of our bonding moments was you getting Plan B. So honestly, that was a fun time. Yeah, we watched was, the Lego Movie, got high, and got Plan B. Yeah, it was great. What a good day. Um, but yeah, so my name's Amanda Peacock. My name's Kitty Coyle, and today we have guests. We have not one, but two. But two. Oh. So in the grand scheme of chronological order, uh, this episode is coming out first. So we have Kelsey Geary and Sarah Smolensky, who you'll hear again next week, uh, to talk about other things. So honored. Double but, featured bitch. Right, she's, she's a double featured bitch. And so we're going to talk this week about uh, ableism to the point in dating, uh, regarding mental illness, regarding... I am so fucking tired, I can't even... I'm out of spoons, Amanda. I'm out of them. But we're talking about mental illness, dating, how that affects you personally, how that affects you dating someone personally, and it's just kind of a good follow-up to last week talking about physical illness. Mm-hmm. This is probably going to be emotional. This is probably going to have some more dumb questions, hopefully some more funny stories that won't be about me yelling at blind people. <laughs> And we're we've just brought on some fantastic people and some of our dearest friends to talk about these things, because we're just a little mentally unfit crew. Yeah. So to give you a little background to our dearly beloved Kelsey Geary, who's on my mic. Yeah. (laughs) Dearly beloved, we're gathered here today to talk about Kelsey, who's. I hate myself for the words that just that came poor, out. Poor bitch. That poor bitch. Hi, <laughs> bitch. Um, bitch. Our friendship, the, the little quad of us, the, the breakfast club, the Denny's <sighs> crew, whatever we want to refer to ourselves as, have been friends for about a decade now, if not longer. Um, yeah, so we are very excited to have us all together in yeah. the same room. This never happens, guys. This it really doesn't. <laughs> it hasn't happened since Christmas. Yeah, and so <coughs> we get to record not one but two episodes for the next two weeks. 
and it's pretty fucking exciting, and Kelsey is a phenomenal human. She is a badass woman who has a cutest fuck dog, and... Mazel um, on that. Yeah, so we also have Sarah with us, <laughs> who you'll meet next week, so she can do no intro. Sarah's also Sarah's a wonderful You didn't give me a fancy intro, though. You get one. I you talk, get a fancy yeah, intro. I talked about you. Yeah. Sorry, wow, sorry. she's so narcissistic. She <laughs> I was high. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she's just a little buzz. You can, you can cut that out. <laughs> it's not age appropriate. Um, but yeah, we have children listening to this podcast. Well, yeah. So we are we're gonna talk about uh, life with chronic illness, but of the mental variety. Yeah. And boy, oh boy, do I have some thoughts on. A certain Hollywood movie that thoughts came from a thought. Thoughts from a thought featuring That's Amanda great. Peacock. We are back. We're back. We're back. Hello, Welcome everyone. Welcome to our channel. Welcome to the channel. Um, so, Amanda, what are your thought, thoughts on thoughts? So, before we dive into this, I have something that is very uh, pertinent, theme-specific to this episode, because last night, I saw The Joker, uh, which is a phenomenal performance by Joaquin Phoenix, don't get me wrong. But, if you have not seen it, I'm not going to spoil it for those listening. Also, by the time that this comes out, you'll have had a week to see it, which to me is probably not enough time. But, still not going to spoil anything. Um, But the message of the movie was very frustrating, because as someone who works in the mental health field, it is very irritating to see mental illness portrayed and stigmatized in such a heavy way as it mm-hmm. is in this movie. I feel like it kind of sets us back to the point of like one flew over a cuckoo's nest. Mm-hmm. And the Joker is a character that people notoriously relate to as being like a psychopath. He's just unhinged, psychotic, right. etc. But I mean, they focus so heavily on mental illness, and they use that as a crutch, and it's very irritating. Yeah. Because they basically, the message is like, if you ignore mental illness, they'll turn into deranged serial killers. And that is not true. Yeah. People who are mentally ill are more likely to hurt themselves than others. Or get hurt by other people. Or get hurt by They're other more people. likely to be victims of violence because they're unable to, like, protect themselves and whatnot, especially if they're actually in, like, acute psychotic distress, like patients with delusional-type disorders, psychosis, etc. Mm-hmm. So it's very frustrating, and I was like, wow, just in time to record this episode where right. we're going to teach y'all a thing about mental illness and how it's actually super fucking common, um, and it's a real thing that people deal with and don't end up turning into deranged psychopaths right. who try to kill Batman. And I think that's the most important thing to realize that how common this is. Because I've had conversations with people that, like, and even myself, like, I didn't genuinely know anybody who was diagnosed as mentally unwell until I was. And it wasn't a conversation that people had. Because it, it just 
it was bad and it was so stigmatized. So understanding that like, you know, people, you either you have an issue or you definitely know someone who has an issue and you educating yourself on these dilemmas and on these problems is going to make you a better person to live with, love, be friends with, work with, whatever is so fucking important. Yeah. So on that note, um, before we kind of dive right in, I just want to give basically a trigger warning to people listening because, um, I know last week we talked about like physical chronic illness. Um, and I just feel like that probably also deserved a trigger warning to a degree, but mental illness especially. Um, we, we're going to be talking about some pretty serious issues that either ourselves have dealt with or just yeah. things in general. Um, so take that into consideration when you're listening. Um, so this is going to be kind of a heavier episode, but still very important to talk about. Um, so just yeah. listen to it at your discretion. Um, <clears throat> hopefully you can maybe feel understood to a degree or maybe you can learn something that might help you be supportive to your friends and loved ones that have uh mental illness but without further ado yes let's jump on in yeah so to be up front because i think it's important um why why we have any grounds to talk to you about this why we have any grounds to i wouldn't ever call this a lecture of a podcast but sit on our high horse and think that we know things. Of course, we know that Amanda is a nursing uh, mental health professional, which is fantastic, and she sees a certain degree of people in serious distress in a hospital environment, which uh, most of us will never come in contact with unless you're, like, on the street in a city and you see a homeless person. Let's be fucking real. Um, But the reality is, like, you you definitely know people who have been diagnosed with mental illness because I, of course, have anxiety and major depression, And had no idea how common that was. And it genuinely took me getting a Tumblr and having, like, other people and other teens on the internet having feelings to realize that, like, oh, this darkness I feel throughout my entire body. That's not normal. And other people have a thing and they have a name for it. And it also took me a very long time to cope with the fact that, like, Having a mental illness does not mean that you're broken. It does not mean that you're you're less than or anything. Like, I remember coming home from my sophomore year of high school stressed out about an English project or something and admitting to my parents that I didn't want to exist and I wanted to die. And, and then it still took two more years for me to actually see a doctor and be properly diagnosed and have episodes and explain to this doctor of, like, oh, yeah, so, like, I've had at least three times where I, like, I want to die She's like, that's what we call major depression. That's not an episode. That's that's like a continued issue. You need medicine. And dealing with the fact that like, oh, I, I need to be medicated. And if I'm medicated, I'll feel like more of a normal person, but not always quite there. And dealing with the changes in medication. Actually, Kelsey, who was here, we originally had the same psychiatrist who was a complete bonkers person. (laughs) And she had these very weird thrift store dresses and this long, crazy gray hair. And she was just so weird. And she was... Sounds like Professor Trelawney. She looks like Professor (laughs) Trelawney. Except worse. Except worse. Somehow worse. Shit, okay. Just like absolute batshit crazy of a person who like, I don't know why she... She wasn't, like, 
crazy person, fucking crazy person. And even when I got to college, I like missed my sorority midday because I didn't think a sorority wanted a depressed person. And little did I know <laughs> that that was a dumb fucking thing to think. And I was going to be like, not at all the least fucked up person there. So I can attest to that too. Right. And Sarah joined a sorority in college and like you learn more about people and you connect Perfect. with people on such a deep level. bitches in yeah. that bitch. <laughs> You connect with people on such a deeper level that, like, you don't have those conversations with average people in your English class in high school. You're not discussing these things. So it's been six years for me with a diagnosis, changing meds, therapists, breakdowns, episodes, struggles. Like, I, I like, randomly cried on Wednesday because it was really dark outside and it made me super sad. Sometimes it just happens. Mm -hmm. And you have to come to terms with, like, that being your normal. Mm-hmm. It's not necessary, and like I think that's the first step to being a healthy partner, which is what we're really going to discuss a lot today. Of like, how do you bring your best self to a relationship? Well, yeah, admitting to yourself and to your partner that yeah, I, uh, I this is the way my mental health is. This is what you're. This is what you're signing on for, buddy. And like, I think the first time I told someone that I like had issues, it was kind of weaponized against me the next time I told them it was just not understood and we're slowly surely getting to a point where when I have these conversations with people they either say oh me too or they say oh okay I know that and I genuinely don't want to give tips today about like here's five ways to best date a depressed person (laughs) buy them a balloon (laughs) Like, I'm not going to fucking tell you people that because that's fucking stupid. And dating with mental illness is different for everyone. And coping with mental illness is different for everyone. Everyone's different issue and symptoms are different for everyone. You can be friends with a person with anxiety and date a person with anxiety and they can have completely different symptoms and coping mechanisms. And I think that that's really important to emphasize because I think we also live in a society now where it's almost like a competition of Mm -hmm. who is like, who has a worse mental illness than the other person. And for, and so it's important to realize that everyone's on their own journey. It is not a competition. In fact, I recently had a conversation with a patient about this because She is very sick with her own diet, like her own illness, and she came up to me and was like, am I, you know, someone told me that I was more sick than the other people here, and she is referring to the people who are actively psychotic and not oriented to, like, time, place, situation, Mm -hmm. whereas, like, she, she knows what's going on, she knows her diagnosis, things like that, but she's sick in other ways and is at risk to herself, and I was like, you know, it's not a competition. Right. You know, your illness is different than someone else's and it's not fair to say that you are better or worse than them because it's you can't compare the two and I think that that's like you hit the nail on the head and that's just really important to like emphasize that everyone is on their own journey everyone's Mm -hmm. mental illness is valid and no matter where you're at if it's mild severe whatever the case like it still is a mental illness and Mm -hmm. it's still real and you still have to deal with whatever issues you have to deal with and those are valid and okay and that's something that I struggled with a long time when I had my eating disorder because Mm -hmm. I was never like anorexic right but I still was like 
exercising three hours a day, eating less than a thousand calories. Right. Like, you were doing the I things. had disordered eating, and if I didn't get the help when I got it, I would have continued to lose weight. And so, but that doesn't mean that I don't have, I didn't have an eating disorder because I didn't drop to 80 pounds. Right. So, I just needed to Absolutely. add that in. Because it's just, I think that's really important for people to hear is that their experiences are valid, and they, with anything else, just as with anything, like you, shouldn't compare yourself to other people and where Mm -hmm. they're at because like just because someone might you think that they have it worse and that suddenly means you can't like your feelings aren't valid that's not true because yours are just as valid we're not having like a pissing contest at the at the pity party like (laughs) yeah Fuck no. (laughs) That said, still, I think it's important that if you are dating people and they do tell you about, like, their own issues, like, I've been able to compare being friends with someone with ADHD to dating someone with ADHD lately. We're like, oh, I'm not getting any texts back from this person. Well, I should treat them the same way I treat my friend and just bug the shit out of them. Like, it's not, it's, that's just the way, that's what you gotta do. If you, if you need the response, that's what you got to do. This person, you need to extend that hand. Yeah. So what I can best tell everybody is with that is just being a caring, considerate partner and look for people who are caring and considerate, considerate partners and be each other's biggest fan. Yeah. That's the best thing you can ask for in a relationship because there's going to be, especially when you add in mental illness, there's just going to be weirder shit to deal with. Yeah. Like, it's just not going to be totally normal. You're going to have to deal with some shit. That's, that's kind of like last week where I was like, if you don't want to date, if you don't think you can date someone with cerebral palsy, well, sorry if your boyfriend husband gets thrown off a horse and is wheelchair bound for the rest of their life. I mean, that wouldn't be cerebral palsy, but yes. Oh, sorry. Another, if. They're perilous, Melissa. Yes. <laughs> if you don't want to date a quadriplegic. If you don't want to date a yeah, quadriplegic, yeah, it can yeah. still happen to you. Yeah. So understand that, like. If you want to be out there in this world, you gotta you gotta be on board for some of this shit mm-hmm. to not be an asshole. As Hannah Montana said, nobody's perfect. You're yeah. right, and it's everybody a, has those days. Everybody knows what what I'm talking about. Everybody gets, gets that, that way. way. Um, and yeah, and it's important to also remember that like you're not always gonna be the perfect partner or whatever. Like you're gonna make mistakes because. Especially if you don't know what they're going through, like, you can't be expected to know what to say or anything like that because it's a learning process for you as well. So it's okay to not really know, but the important thing is that you're trying to be their champion and Mm -hmm. you're trying to be supportive and you're trying to understand versus diminish, demean, and completely just, like, ignore their issues. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I know plenty of people who have people in their lives that are like that. I've had people in my life who are like that, including my own family, and it's infuriating. Yeah. It's, yeah. But we'll kind of talk about that. Um, I'll later get into a little segment. My little therapy sesh with all of you. um, I love therapy. About how to be a supportive partner, but. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Who doesn't love therapy? <laughs> therapy is the therapy shit. Therapy is honestly the best. You pay someone to just listen to you. Yeah. And it's then amazing. you talk about the dumbest shit that you want to talk about. And, and they don't judge and you. And they don't judge you. You can yeah. tell them that you're... The amount of times that <laughs> I told... Them, and they're like, okay. The amount of times I sat out, down like, in my therapist's office and said, guess what, Lisa? Guess who I fucked again? And she was like, motherfucker. Like, spill <laughs> Yes. yes. So she, shout out. The last time I was there, she, I said, girl, do I have some tea for you? And she said, hold on. Let me get comfortable. 
<laughs> and then she was like, I'm ready. And, and finding that therapist that's going to sit there and do that is also a journey and important. Yeah. She's been with me since my super toxic relationship that I talk about in the toxic relationship episode. Ah, so she's been with me for about like four years now. So I love her. She's seen it. She's done it. Yep. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Katie, for sharing that. Yeah. For being... That's my spiel of the day. Yeah. Like, Yeah. So if I can make sure that like somebody comes out of this like not feeling alone and be like, oh yeah, that other person's been through that too. Yeah, I'm not crazy. No, you're not. Like people tell you you're fucking crazy. You're not crazy. You're what not are crazy. your thoughts on the word crazy? I call myself crazy all the time. Yeah, I call myself crazy too. Because I know that that that's a. I'm just intrigued because I know that there's some people within the, the community that don't like that word. I think it depends on the context. I'm sorry, I haven't been introduced yet. Um, you have. You have been. You have, 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 have to talk. There goes, yeah, anyway. You're good. Um, I think it depends on the context. Like, if it is being used against you, yeah. then, like, it is an awful thing. But, like, yeah, I, I also refer to myself as being crazy frequently. Yeah, like the yeah I'm just crazy. intrigued because I know that there's, there's some people I know that really hate that term. Yeah. And... <clears throat> I personally, I try to, like, refrain from using it in my vocabulary, but especially since, like, we all have mental illness, like, there are people who also reclaim it, mm-hmm. so I was just curious at, yeah. as to your thoughts on if it. If somebody calls me crazy, like, Katie, you're being crazy, um, I'm a lot more likely to get upset about it, mm. because they, like, genuinely don't know. I also think that if I'm, like, if someone who I know has, like, all their own issues says mm-hmm. that... I know they don't mean it with like a like a you need to be institutionalized crazy. Yeah. Or like somebody completely neurologically normal calls me that, I will go the fuck off on you. You don't know the fucking meaning. (laughs) (laughs) Or that's how you like kinda like try to end a conversation. Wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's nuts. That's nuts. That's nutty. I use wild a lot. Yeah, I try I try to I'd try to switch it mm-hmm. to wild. That's just such a wild story. Wild. It's, it's <laughs> You're the wild. same effect. Or cuckoo bananas. Cuckoo bananas. I say unreal very frequently. Yes. Unreal. There's so many other yeah. adjectives that you can use that don't make you sound like an asshole. Yes. Welcome to 2019. Expand hey. your fucking vocabulary. Hey, use a thesaurus. Use a, a thesaurus. thesaurus. Use a thesaurus. Use, use a thesaurus. Hey, we're getting very theatrical up here today. We are. You can use a thesaurus online, too. There you go. That's a hard word to pronounce. So, thank you, Katie. Yeah. And so I guess we will jump on in to our little segment with our beloved Kelsey Geary over here. Oh, she cracked her knuckles. She's ready to go. Um, excuse me, I had to burp, but it was silent. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> so we have some questions. Um, me too. Hey, Sorry. you know what? No, you're good. No yeah. need to, listen, there's no need to apologize. on it. As We as women do not need to apologize for anything. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be like, what's her face? Blake Lively yeah. in that A Simple Favor with Anna Kendrick. If you've seen it. She tells Anna Kendrick to stop apologizing. So stop. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the Blake Lively. It's okay. okay. That's it's okay. That's if fine. you do if you do apologize, that's okay. Um, <laughs> so I'm gonna kind of run through these questions, answer to as much as you want, no pressure, obviously. Um, 
this is your story, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, you can talk as much or as little as you want. Pretty much, we can keep it keep it like that. Okay. So, with the first one, um, kind of tell the people what diagnoses you deal with. Yeah. How does your brain process serotonin? Um, <clears throat> it all started when I was five. Seriously. I know. I'm, I'm half being funny started. and half, like, being serious. Um, I woke up one day. My mom remembers the exact day. It was in, like, March of 2000, and I had severe OCD. Um, it was likely a neurological, like, autoimmune thing as a response to an infection that I had. Um, there's a name for it. It's like pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorders associated with strep. Wow. Um, where you can become, and like, here's the rub. Um, my mom knew this was a thing. Um, because you come from no, a family of medical professionals. My, both my parents are nurses, so that was fun. Um, <laughs> nurses are the best, just saying. No, it's true. Um, she had heard of this, but this was not an accepted diagnosis back then. So, if I had, like, gotten proper treatment, like, antibiotics or, like, IV, IgG, like, mm-hmm. I likely would have been fine. But the results are permanent now. Um, IV, IgG is IV immunoglobulins, um, for those who don't know. Sorry, Dave. So, I like, yeah, I, I didn't know. The, um, the effects of that, of which, like, have, like, the, it damages your brain. Mm-hmm. So, like, the effects are permanent if you don't get um, treatment right away. Um, so, I was put on Paxil which is, like, my mom said was, like, the hardest thing they ever had to do because I was five years old, and you don't put, like, a five-year-old on a psychiatric drug like that Yeah. Mm -hmm. because the side effects can be very uh, severe. But, like, I was inconsolable. I couldn't leave the house. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought I was sick all the time. Like, I just, I felt like I had to go to the bathroom all the time, and, like, they had to, I'm a preschool dropout. They had to take me out of school, so... I bet you're all glad you're friends with me now. Preschool dropout. Paxil, for those who don't know, is a is a antidepressant as well. Yes. Oh, Sorry, um, I'm just gonna like. So I was on that up until a few years ago, actually. Um, and like as I got older, like the OCD, like the anxiety from it, like morphed into depression. Like as I hit adolescence, um, I'm still dealing with that to this day. I haven't found. I've been on. A lot of antidepressants, um, none of which have worked for A at all or B for very long. They lose their efficacy over time, which can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's treatment-resistant it's depression. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm coming off of... I just... So I was on Paxil and Cymbalta and Abilify for a while. I know I'm just spitballing here but um you're good those all sound like commercials i've seen yeah, yeah like depression like hurts symbolic can help no <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's um it does hurt. yeah i those worked for a while but i'm in between finding meds that work for me right now which is okay um i think as long as you keep at it mm-hmm. it can't hurt i'm looking into transcranial magnetic stimulation or simulation i think it's stimulation, stimulation. because i have been on most of the classes of antidepressants with no luck, so my options are remaining options are few. Um, so we'll see if that works. Um, I'll keep you guys updated on that. Yeah. So with your OCD tendencies, what were you kind of displaying just to kind of paint um, a picture? I was very germ obsessed. Like I, I do not have it 
nearly to the extent mm-hmm. that I did when I was younger. Um, now it's more anxiety based, like mm-hmm. obsessions rather than compulsions. But you are um, always our friend with antibacterial soap and everything. Precisely, else, yeah. um, you're great to have. <laughs> yes, yeah. this is true. Um, I would. A lot of it focused on, like, my bladder. Like, I would think that I had to go to the bathroom mm. very frequently, but I didn't. So, like, at first they thought it was, like, a UTI, mm. but it wasn't. I had this, like, procedure done. Like, they stuck a camera up there to mm-hmm. see if, like, Shit. I was, like, retaining retaining anything or if I was, like, if there was something wrong, but then mm-hmm. nothing was wrong. And they were, like, listen, your daughter probably has psychiatric issues. But, um, anyway, so, like, I, and I would think that I was nauseous. I would think that I was sick. And I was very germ obsessed. I would wash my hands till they bled because, like, I would think that there was like something on them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, You're a five year old that understands germ theory. I guess I did. Damn, yeah, I don't know how, but most... I did. Um, probably just because my both my parents were nurses, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, as I've gotten older, it's more obsession based, as like I said, as opposed to compulsions. Um, mostly around like people in my life like I'm afraid something's gonna happen to them or whatever mm-hmm. you're also the friend who always wants to text that when we've returned home safely yes this is true she's mm-hmm. a truly some of your symptoms make you a fantastic friend <laughs> yes thank you I have, that's really great to hear actually. <laughs> um so yeah I'm still working on the whole depression thing mm-hmm. um Aren't my recently oh. diagnosed um Chronic health issues have not helped mm-hmm. that um, in 2000, what's, what's last year? 2018, 2018, I got diagnosed with an autoimmune thyroid condition called Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is an autoimmune destruction of your thyroid over time. Um, I'm on medication for that to just keep my thyroid level steady, which is um, fine. Sleep. And I was like, I was, I cried when I found out about of like happiness because mm-hmm. I thought it's so relieving. It, I thought, thank God, like, something explains Mm -hmm. why Mm -hmm. I'm feeling the way Mm -hmm. that I'm feeling. But as it turns out, that wasn't it. Um, Yeah, having a name doesn't mean that it gets better. And I guess officially as of yesterday, I've been diagnosed with um, a neurological disorder called idiopathic hypersomnia, which means I have a near-constant need to sleep, um, and I need to be kept awake by stimulants. Um, so, which is fun, but so that basically explains the extreme fatigue that I've been feeling for mm, a long time, like years. So, mm-hmm. so last week I talked about how I have chronic fatigue syndrome, which is very similar to what Kelsey is describing. But so my syndrome is more, it's like when you feel tired and drowsy and you can't really stay awake, it's like that on crack. What the idiopathic hypersomnia is, is like chronic fatigue. Fatigue syndrome on crack, essentially. Yeah, so. yeah it's arguably, it's like, it's similar to narco- narcolepsy, except mm-hmm. arguably, like, harder to treat and just yeah. worse in general because mm-hmm. there's no off switch. It's either yeah. the wake-promoting centers in my brain are not active enough or the sleep-promoting promo- part of my brain is overactive and they, hence the term idiopathic, they do not know what causes it. Mm-hmm. There are no FDA-approved treatments, so it's, like, off-brand treatments. Like, I, it, I can be treated under my uh, depression diagnosis, so that's good. Um, mm-hmm. I'm so thirsty. <laughs> Hydrate. <laughs> Hydrate. 
Hydration is Remember key. to drink your water, kids. Yeah. yeah. Always drink water. Um, and it was, at first it was thought that my fatigue was, like, attributed to my depression. So, like, I've, mm-hmm. I've been on the stimulants for quite a while, but... Um, again, with, um, amphetamine-based stimulants, those can lose their efficiency over time, so I'm looking into different treatments, um, or just increasing my dosage, Mm -hmm. um. Do you feel like you're in a benefit being in a medical profession yourself and having the the family background, your own education, your own position with your job, that you can kind of navigate this in a more well-rounded way? Yeah, like, I, I, going back to, like, if my parents weren't nurses, I don't think they would have known how to handle the way that I was when I was a kid. Because, mm-hmm. like, my one of my earliest memories is, like, I'm not saying this to get, like, super deep, but, like, mm-hmm. to give you an extent of, like, how bad it was. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I, like, before I got treatment for my OCD, I was, like, inconsolable. I, like, walked into the kitchen and, like, my mom was watching some movie and, like, someone died on TV. And then I said... I know how to make all my worries go away. Like, I was five and I said that. Like, I don't know how, as a parent, how I could Mm -hmm. have handled that. Mm -hmm. But, like, thank God my parents have, like, a medical background and, like, Mm -hmm. know how to, like, help people that are, like, Mm -hmm. struggling mentally and stuff. So, I'm not really sure how to segue out of that. (laughs) That's totally okay. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. So, what was the question? Medical, having a medical background, yes. Like, I've been going... I'm very comfortable with doctors and such, yeah. like having because a, I've been going to them yeah. since I was very young. And having a high health literacy, which is uh, basically an understanding of like the medical processes and um, having knowledge of medications, things like that, does give you. And just in general, people who have a higher health literacy have a better chance at recovery because of that reason of mm-hmm. just being familiar with it, having. You know, understanding kind of the resources, how to use the resources, et cetera, et cetera, Absolutely. et cetera. And you're more likely to be an advocate for yourself. And probably, like, more compliant with your treatment. Exactly. If nothing else. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so you kind of answered the next question, which was, you know, how long have you had these issues, which has been since you're about five years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then you did share some early memories. So we can move into the next mm-hmm. one, which is kind of... Um, what do you think are some, and this is a very broad question, um, so answer it as best as you can, I guess. Uh, what do you think are some kind of underrepresented struggles of having mental illness? I think, like, I can speak from at least, I know depression causes, like, extreme fatigue. Like, mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. mind is worse when mm-hmm. yeah. I am in a depressed yeah. mood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my worst fear was, like, just someone thinking that, like, I'm lazy. Mm-hmm. Or, like, and now especially with my neurological condition, like... You gotta I, take a nap. Yeah. I need more sleep Bitch than people. Like, yeah. while it doesn't necessarily make me feel better, I think it improves my mood. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think, like, people being thought of that they're like they're lazy or like they're unmotivated mm-hmm. and stuff that they yeah. have no ambition like yeah. it's mm-hmm. not their fault yeah. you know yeah that's something I get that like that's yeah. something I struggle with too especially with just because like with the chronic fatigue you know I and just lupus and everything 
requiring more sleep and I've always been so hard on myself mm-hmm. and I'm like if I wake up past this time like my day's ruined blah 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 and it's really like no I need and to your body needs yeah it. like I need to rest yeah. and so and like it kind of when you don't want to be perceived as lazy or whatever and so then you're like extra hard on yourself which just mm-hmm. amplifies your you know anxiety whatever it exactly. is exactly and so I've been in a place in my workplace where like I've had to kind of not necessarily go to bat for other people, but, like, if comments are made about, oh, so-and-so took a mental health day, I'm like, no, that's something you should take seriously. If they come back and they feel better, they're going to do better work. Like, and, like, having to contextualize, like, taking care of mental health in a way that, like, yeah, if they're they're healthy and they don't want to die, it's better for the bottom line. (laughs) It's so Uh, fucked up. Yeah. But it's something that, like, I personally have taken upon me in my workplace of, like, discussing like oh I think this coworker of ours has anxiety this is the way we should probably approach working mm-hmm. with them this coworker uh clearly needs some extra sleep like and I've had to basically say that to my boss of like hey I'm gonna work from home today because if I don't I'm gonna be messed for the rest of the week that's the way it is that's what I'm telling you right now I know myself and you're that. we're all gonna be better off if you let me do this yeah so like yeah yeah that's very important it's all about like how I, I'm still learning how to be mm-hmm. open about my recently diagnosed illness with my and we're very co-workers thank you and just everybody because like it is likely going to affect my work at some point mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially since we're short-staffed and like I will there'll be some days when I have to work longer hours I don't know a if I'm going to tell my boss or B like what how they would even deal with it because it would be unfair if I didn't put in the same hours as everyone else Mm -hmm. but I also feel like I have a legitimate reason that I should not like Mm -hmm. you do someone like with this condition idiopathic hypersomnia like you should not like drive if you feel like you're not able to so (laughs) gonna say they probably just don't, don't like know. driving home after yeah. working that long <laughs> I know shifts. like I had to go mm-hmm. through the American Disabilities Act when I because I used to rotate shifts work day and nights and when I worked night shift I literally felt like I was dying and I was I started to get very depressed mm-hmm. and I was crying all the time and I was like fucked up and so I like kind of same like I had and I hadn't told my bosses before that I had like any sort of chronic illness and then I was like so I have this thing (laughs) and I can't do night shift anymore and they were luckily very supportive and I Mm -hmm. went through the ADA and so fortunately we're protected and you are protective and you act like here's the thing um idiopathic hypersomnia is not considered a disability but depression is depressed okay that's true (laughs) that is true I can, I can work with that. Yeah. So there's yeah. one. Yeah. And so fortunately there are systems in place that do protect you. doesn't make the conversation any less difficult. Right. And it doesn't prevent people from being assholes. And exactly. Finding loopholes, so you do need to make sure that you trust the people that you're talking to. Yes. But there's, mm-hmm. there's like FMLA, there's intermittent FMLA mm-hmm. that happens too for people. Like it's really good for people with like chronic illness mm-hmm. um, for it. Cause it's like, you're not always going to be sick for extended periods of times, but some, like if I have a lupus flare, I shouldn't have to use my sick day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I should 
be able to not be punished. Your sick day should be for the common cold, like everybody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not, not, oh, I have a lupus foot, yeah, so, um, but yeah, it doesn't make those conversations any less difficult. Yeah, I'm really not looking forward to that, but it's going to have to happen eventually, mm. especially because the med tech shortage is not getting any better, so mm-hmm. the hours will likely be longer, and while, yes, I can, in theory, just take more of my medication to stay awake, I would not really not, not like to do that. No. That's not, that no. gives you a poor quality of life. Exactly. Too. And like, I can be awake, but it's like being in a state of constant sleep deprivation. Like I get really weepy if I'm awake for too long. Mm-hmm. My memory gets mm-hmm. foggy. You're just so, not going to be able to produce the best work that you can. Especially right. in what I do, right. the, what, what I do, do for a living. It is, I have to be on top of my shit all the time or worst case scenario I kill someone mm-hmm. because I like release the wrong result or like something like that mm-hmm. so I yeah that is not that should not that's, be an option for yeah. me oh, that's that's a and that's definitely I think yeah one of the underrepresented parts of mental illness and living with it and dealing with it is mm-hmm. you gotta go to work today every day like everybody else yep. yeah you and the vast majority of the population doesn't have a direct point of contact where they understand, mm-hmm. and you're going to hear some dickwad things. Yeah, and also because mental illness is so stigmatized, mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, like people don't know what lupus is, but when I say I have lupus, they know that it's some sort it's of... It's a disease. Yeah, it's a disease. And when it comes to mental illness, people are like, well, just don't be depressed. Don't be angry. And, like, you're like, wow, magically I'm cured. Have um, you tried getting more vitamin D? Right. Yeah, but... Try going outside. So, Yeah, maybe if you go for a run. <laughs> I can't run. Well, do some, do some yoga. Uh, that's maybe, the big uh, one now. Maybe go to the gym. Well, yeah. maybe, maybe if, you, know, if you, you shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. If I get out of bed tomorrow, yes, I'll, I'll And, try like, to go for to some gym. people, I know for me, like, exercise does help my mental health, but you have yeah. to be able to get you to that to point. get there. Yeah, and if you, yeah. And so that's a, the extra frustrating thing is that mental illness is so stigmatized um, that you're already less inclined to want to tell like your employers about these things. And then when you add that it's like a mental illness and something that you're like, well, are they even going to understand something like that? Then they're even like, it discourages people even more, Mm -hmm. which is not fair to them because it's also on people with mental illness to somehow destigmatize mental illness, you right. know what I mean? Like it's somehow like our job to do that while also living our lives and advocating for ourselves, right. but then we have to speak for that entire community. So and every experience is very different. Like my yeah. nobody here around this table, their our experiences don't match up in the same ways. We can go to the same psychiatrist, but like we can have the same fucking diagnosis, but the same <laughs> psychiatrist is completely fucking different. Yeah. Right? And the way you cope with it and the way you have to deal with it, completely fucking different. Yeah. So. See, on, on a dating note. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. seeing as this is a dating podcast. Yeah. Um, how has kind of this affected your dating life? How has this affected how you, like, what you look for in a partner? Yeah, because you have a boyfriend. Yes. I do. You live with the man. I do. You have a dog together. That's true. Yeah. So <laughs> in your experience, kind of how has this affected your dating life? Um, and then off of that, how has it kind of changed the way, like what you look for 
meet someone in a partner? I, when I met Matt, um, my boyfriend, I was very upfront about Mm -hmm. my, um, my issues. And I think that's the most important thing. Like that's the most important thing you can do. I know like, well, I guess some people might think like, oh, like it's more my business and like, but like it affects how you treat people, like Mm -hmm. how you perceive things. You need to be honest with yourself and with your partner about how you are. And I think that will help them be more understanding. Like Matt's been amazing and like he has never once been upset that I need like 12 plus hours of sleep a day Mm -hmm. and... Yeah, he's, it's been, and he's just been so understanding, and I think that's because, like, he's, he has, he has issues of his own, he has depression and ADHD, which, like, he was never formally diagnosed with until recently, because Mm -hmm. I said, you need to go, Mm -hmm. you need to see someone, like, if, for us to have a healthy relationship, you need to get this, like, dealt Mm -hmm. with, and, or at least addressed, so he's on medication, he's on, for that now, I think he's on Zoloft, and um, like a low dose of Adderall for the ADHD. Um, and he's doing much better, but, um, yeah, like, I was talking to Amanda the other night, like, just trying to explain, like, my recent diagnosis Mm -hmm. and such, and he just came up and, like, kissed me on the forehead, and, like, it was just stuff like, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It was a very cute moment. Um, and he knows, like, this whole thing has been extremely hard on me, and I'm just been like more emotional than usual and like I talked to to him about it like yesterday and I said like I'm sorry like if I've been just off lately and he's like no like you're going through like this is a a life-altering thing that you have now and it's gonna take a while to understand that and I used to go to therapy but then I stopped for a while and or a while it haven't been in a few years but I absolutely need to start going again to learn how to cope with this Mm -hmm. because if I don't I'm afraid of what'll happen like it could not there are no good outcomes if I don't like address this but um anyway being proactive though is good and that's such an important thing when you have any issue right and it's it's really hard because you feel even though you know that there are people in the world who are going through what you are going through or at least to some degree it doesn't make you feel any less alone and that's, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm lucky that like my neurologist is like communicating very closely with my psychiatrist. That's great. Mm-hmm. So like they know, like one who's prescribing what and like yeah. what changes are going to be made. So like I I'm getting great treatment. So yeah. I mm-hmm. that's I'm happy about that. And um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's fantastic. And that's exactly. Long story short, a friend of mine uh, recently changed some medications around, and the doctors didn't talk to each other, and they had a massive seizure, <laughs> uh, because nobody told the other one that, like, this thing could cause seizures, and also, she's, there's seizure, seizure risk, um, which is fucking awful, so having the good knowledge that your doctors converse with each other... Yeah. And communicate is so important. And that's hard, too, because I think, to a degree doctors expect the patient to be the ones to do like I am the one that pretty much because I live in St. Louis and my rheumatologist is in 
mm-hmm. Chicago, I'm pretty much, like, communicating with her of any changes to my medications mm-hmm. and stuff from, like, other doctors back in St. Louis. And luckily, I'm in a place where I can do that, and I'm able to do that, but not everyone is. And so, like, I'm on medications for, you know, hormonal acne. I'm on medication, like, I'm on a stimulant. I'm mm-hmm. on, But I'm also on chemotherapy yeah. and, like, injections that are like pretty hard drugs and so when the dermatologist says let's go on Accutane and I say absolutely not because I like my liver yeah um that's because I have to advocate for myself and so it's really good that your doctors are communicating because I have to do the one I have to be the communicator and luckily I'm cool with that but I'm just like you're also lucky you have a medical background exactly like I like you wouldn't if you I wouldn't fucking know that that Accutane could kill my liver yeah yeah and so I didn't even know what it was (laughs) I was on it in high school um it's very serious you have to have blood tests done every month a pregnancy test every month you have to take tests online yeah it's to promise that you're not going to get pregnant like it's, it's very serious it's a very serious hefty drug and I don't know why my doctor is recommending it because I'm like, my cystic acne is not that bad. Um, Genuine question, do you think it helps your skin to this day? I used to have, like... It used to be very bad. Now it's, like, slightly less bad. It Mm -hmm. completely cleared my skin for quite a while, but then it did... um, Come Why back. the fuck did they put me on Accutane? I was not getting laid in high school. Because it's terrible for your body. Oh, cool. Like I begged my parents to let me go on it because I was just so upset by, this, by my skin. Mm-hmm. My mom's like, this could have permanent effects. And I think I said to her, I don't care. I can't <laughs> live like this. Yeah. And in retrospect, I mean, I was dumb and in high school, so, yeah. like, whatever. Right. But I don't know if I would have, like, gone on it now. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's a. It's very much so. It should be a last resort. Yeah. You, yeah. If you can manage your cystic acne without it, you should because it's. But you're I on was, it. Yeah. It's a pill. You're on it for a very long time. Yeah. It basically destroys your soul and gives you fresh baby skin. Hopefully. Ooh. Hopefully, because not every. Skin. Some people have failed things with Accutane, but it's very hard on the kidneys and the liver. My kidneys are already vulnerable because that's the number one organ that lupus affects. Yeah. And (laughs) so Selena needed a new one. That's why she needed, yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, so yes, it's very good that your doctors are communicating. Sorry, I don't mean to. Yeah, no, that's fucking awesome. But, um, so with that, um, you know, how... How does your like your illnesses affect like your sex life, things like that? Because I'm glad you asked. <laughs> a lot of a lot of medications used for mental illness, whether it be antipsychotics, antidepressants, anything of that nature, sometimes anticonvulsants, which are anti seizure medications, um, they can have effects on your sex life. And so, how does that affect yours, if it does at all? Um. Profoundly, I would have to say. I Since I've been on one class or another, or sometimes multiple at the same time, of like antidepressant or mood stabilizer, since I've been sexually active, um, as a result of that, like, I don't know if I have a normal libido, like, because I'm still on yeah, a mood stabilizer. I don't know what my normal is. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I am sexually active, yes, mm-hmm. but... Um, no, yeah. you live with this man, mm-hmm. and you're sexually active. Before marriage, <laughs> oh, and, uh, no. you touch my pearls. 
Living in sin, you harlot. I know, and um, I didn't realize until after, like, a few years after I'd become sexually active that, like, I had never, like, I still have never had an orgasm, but... um, Can we just take a moment of silence? Just take a moment of silence. I just did a silence. No, because these medications suppress your whatever. We're going to take a moment of silence. Okay. In the arms of It's supposed to be silent, Katie. (laughs) Yeah, but this is a podcast. That's not (laughs) fun. Uh, okay, and we're back. And we're continue, back. sorry. And now um, I decided not to continue with um, this medication called Cymbalta, which mm. is a, I don't know what the it's word like is, but like it, pre- it, boost. it prevents you from achieving an orgasm. Yeah. Oh, good. Um, SSRIs, like the Paxil, and then this is an SSNRI. So that's something. a selective serotonin norepinephrine uh, reuptake inhibitor. inhibitor. Yeah, those are like some people have complete anorgasmia i'm one of them meaning you cannot achieve an orgasm um so i the only medication that i'm on right now is abilify it's a mood stabilizer i do not think it has any properties that will prevent me from having one but it's like i'm starting out in square one like mm-hmm. i don't know mm-hmm. i i never masturbated because i there yeah, was, it didn't gain anything yeah. yeah so like i don't know how to do that i'm 24 years old and so we're, Matt and I are, like, working on it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, we're using toys and such, but I still, I think I'm close, but, like, I haven't, I don't think I've gotten there She's yet. Close, we're going to have a party. Yes. Um, we're going to have a fucking party. But I also party. don't know, yeah. because, like. Can we have a Kelsey Kane party? Yes. I'll let you know, man, if that happens. <laughs> I'm sure car one of us to be like, guess you, here's what the thing. happened. Exactly. You'll know. Yeah. You'll definitely know. Like. Because there's the moment when you get close to an orgasm and you're like, it, like I kind of want to stop, but I want to keep going because I feel like I'm going to pee, so I've, I want to stop. That, I've been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to keep, you got to keep going. But like it's, and then your body just so like. much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then your body just kind just of like. it. <laughs> I had that issue for a while, like yeah. getting, because it's kind of same difference. Like I was on medication before I ever had sex mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like figuring out what an orgasm was and like what good is and what too much is and like mm-hmm. I had a partner who would like push it a little too far that I just mm-hmm. didn't didn't need that to happen and I think like part of it was motivated by the medication like oh I was like that's fucking crazy mm-hmm. calm down you fucking crazy person <laughs> um but like getting like knowing what it is and like being like oh that's what it is and then also having really bad sex through early college <laughs> I I had had multiple sexual partners before I knew that like my medication was yeah. causing this and like I just never had one and mm-hmm. they'd be like did you come and I'd be like I, I think so <laughs> yeah <laughs> or like I'd like fake something yeah. not knowing what yeah. I was doing and like none of them well, really seem to care that like because they don't no because they don't so but they like I in, so they don't care yeah and I, I didn't realize how weird that was until like I knew sexual norms and stuff yeah. like mm-hmm. so yeah it's, um <laughs> It's a work in progress. Yeah. So yeah. our I think the most important thing to do there, and it's great that you and Matt are kind of exploring that together, uh, but to do it on your own as well is really helpful because then like you don't feel that pressure because especially during sex because you're like, I want to come so bad. And there's going to be moments when like you just don't. Like yeah, you get you definitely. get to that verge and then it just goes away and mm-hmm. it's very frustrating. It happens to men, happens to women. Blue balls. Yeah. And... 
so I think what's really helpful is, like, for me, I was masturbating way before I ever had sex. And that's because I had, like, an accidental <laughs> orgasm as a kid. Yeah. And you're like, this is fucking and awesome. And it felt great. And so then I just would, like, yeah. So I would, like, hump pillows that's as a, a kid. That's a thing, yeah. That, that's a, that's usually awesome. what happens. And so I was, like, humping pillows as a youngin, and I was, like, it feels good. Yeah, it's true. Like, and I just did it on my own private time. And then, obviously, as I got older, I was like, oh, that's masturbation. That's what that <laughs> is. That's what that um, is. Ringing the devil's doorbell. Yeah, and that's an orgasm. Um, and for a long time, like, I didn't know how men could help me orgasm because, like, the first time someone went down on me, I didn't like it because he didn't know what he was doing because he yeah. was, like, he didn't oh. know what he was doing. <laughs> we were virgins. We didn't know. And... <laughs> It took a long time, and so I think a lot of it's just, like, exploring your own mm-hmm. body is just kind of yeah. figuring out what works for you. Because then you don't, you also don't have that pressure, like, I'm in the middle of having sex. Is it weird, though, that, like, I want him to be there when mm-hmm. I have my oh, first fuck. Because I've oh, waited yeah. this long. Yeah. So oh, like, yeah. Do it. So I'm, I'm, like, I, I'm scared. I to... want to be there for your first <laughs> orgasm. We're all going to be waiting outside just, like, clapping. So, <laughs> like, loud. so I'm, I'm scared. I'm, I don't want to, like, masturbate by myself because, mm-hmm. like, I'm scared it's going to happen. And then I'll be mm-hmm. like, Yay. okay, no one's here to enjoy this with me. But, right. like, so. And I, <laughs> I'll be sitting right there. And I, I want to like experiment more but like again I am still in like a depressive like episode thing yeah I'm you're having not, a moment I don't have a medication that works for me currently so I yeah. don't want to like as often as I would like to mm-hmm. but we do we still do have sex like once twice a week mm-hmm. um but like no more than that and but we still and I'm also so fucking tired all the time so that doesn't yeah mm-hmm. um have you ever fallen asleep on top of him, or vice versa? Like no, um, usually, yeah. It's it's never come to that. Thank God. Good. I hope it doesn't. Good. Um, Good. I was joking <laughs> that I was gonna fall asleep with a dick in my mouth this morning. So, <laughs> and then I, I pretended that I did fall asleep with the dick in my mouth. It was hilarious. That's awesome. <laughs> but um, yeah, if I'm just straight up like too tired or if I don't think I'll be able to stay awake for the entirety of the process I will just be like not right now but like yeah. it's not like he like pressures me or anything right it's just like which is a sign of a good partner yeah absolutely um and then that's another like thing with at least that I've noticed is like with my depression like and my libido and my all my issues I wonder if like you you are like sexually satisfying enough for your partner and like mm-hmm. but that's like yeah. a personal issue but like I he's assured me that like yeah it's okay but yeah you have to be cognizant of that like are you doing enough for your partner I think mm-hmm. yeah absolutely if that's fair yeah no like your libido's up to a certain point gotta match up or like exactly. you you gotta be okay with them masturbating or like doing what they need to do precisely yeah. like if, honey, if you got if we gotta get extra Kleenex for you, we gotta get extra Kleenex for you. Yeah, that's just the way it's gonna have to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's been he doesn't like discuss that with me, but like I, I'm sure he has he deals with it on his yeah. own. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's a dude. He's a dude. So, like that's that's what dudes do. They're gross, but like yeah. you love them. Mm-hmm. I guess and it's weird. Like I, 
talk about sex more with you guys than like apparently him and his friends we've known his entire life they don't they don't Men, talk about male it. friends I, do not I, talk about boning i assumed that they did yeah but they don't like his yeah. best friend like who's been dating this girl like for like seven years like he doesn't know if they had have had sex yet like they He's don't just never talk heard about, about it. it they do not like he'll they'll like make jokes about it and he'll just be like oh yeah and like he doesn't know Dudes are so weird. I know! Like, they're best friends. They've, like, lived together when they were kids. And, like, yeah. oh, my God. It just... I, it's mostly because, like, I want to know. Right. But, like, yeah, <laughs> you know? Right. Like, no. I just I just assume that guys talked about that kind of stuff, but I guess Dude, they don't. Straight dudes don't talk about that shit, which I think is really funny <laughs> knowing that we have this podcast and, like, here are the four best friends sitting around a table talking about this shit, and it's very serious stuff, but it's also, like boning yeah masturbating like when i lost my virginity like i called my friend at the time out and like it told her immediately afterwards right or no i called her beforehand and i was like okay i'm gonna go lose my virginity and then she like called me during it but like i didn't answer and she was like you better not be losing your virginity without me there like or something like that something funny like she want to hold my hand (laughs) just like yeah like there girls are very open about that kind of. i got applause because i walked into a sorority event like, I walked into, like, a pledge class meeting. Yeah. And late, because I didn't know what time it was, and everyone was like, Katie, did it happen? And I was like, it happened. <laughs> <laughs> and I definitely got, like, actual applause from some people. That's great. But that's, like, girls supporting girls. Yeah. Getting yeah. late. I'm pretty sure I told you guys right after it happened. You absolutely did. I was like, hey... You're like, yay. And, like, like, we're all supportive of it. And it's so fucking wild to me that men, like, don't have these conversations, which is Mm -hmm. a whole other fucking basket of monkeys. They're, like, A man will take his virginity. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Did you say a man is going to take his virginity? Yeah. A man is going to take his virginity. If a man's a virgin. Hey, I'm like the Sanderson sisters, except I want a virgin. No, they want virgin boys, too. They want virgin boys. Perfect. They'll take what's his face. I'm all three of the Sanderson sisters. You're all three of them. It's fine. But no, like, men are so fucking weird. And and I don't think men would even talk about, like, their mental illness status like this. Like this. I don't think, like... Mm -hmm. Men wouldn't men wouldn't compare their experiences enough to know both know that they go to Dr. Beth Lavora, mm. like would never put together those those like puzzle pieces, which is such like a disservice to their friendships. Mm-hmm. And I don't even I don't even know how to help them. Fucking straight dudes, I'm over it. Yeah, fucking over it. I wish I didn't want to fuck them, but like, uh, I'll help them yeah. one day. To I'll suck one dick at a time and hopefully enlighten them to the things they need. Yep. And with that, we're going to take a break so I can go suck a dick, right? Yeah. 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 Hi, dick. And we're back. Yeah. Step into Amanda's office. Yeah. Your appointment is now. I'm going to make an appointment. I'm going to turn the microphone towards you. Yeah, me. you go right ahead. Because I'm... It's time to chat. Superstar. It's time to chat with Amanda. Mm. Welcome to the Amanda Show. Amanda, Just kidding. I'll get Amanda, copyrighted Amanda, or some Amanda. bullshit by Amanda Bynes. Ooh, I hope she tweets about me. Yeah. She'll come uh, after her. <laughs> straight to murder her vagina. Yeah. Yep. Which is incredible, <laughs> honestly. It's, it really is. Um, so if I were... 
this has been a pretty pretty heavy episode, I would say. V. Um, You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> if I were to dive into my trash bag of mental health uh, baggage, we would continue to be here for about three billion years. Um, a casual three yeah, billion. Because, you know, us ladies have a lot to say. So just for a quick background on myself, um, I have... Or had, because some of these I've kind of been in recovery from. Um, And I think with mental illness, like, you kind of always have them. But anyway, I have generalized anxiety disorder. I used to have, and I guess still panic disorder. I don't have panic attacks nearly to the extent that I did um, when I was a lass. But still do. The most recent one was actually a few weeks ago. And before that, it was years prior so thank you to a certain someone who's a piece of shit um who doesn't when someone pro tip when someone tells you to stop talking about something because you're triggering them um stop talking about it thank you for coming to my ted talk um i have ptsd or mild ptsd um just from the toxic relationship that i was in body dysmorphia and subsequently an eating disorder And I have had adjustment disorder, which mimics depression, um, but isn't chronic like depression. Um, So the symptoms are pretty similar, but I don't have major depressive disorder. So, yeah, um, that in and of itself is a lot to unpack in one episode. But for anyone who has dealt with mental, physical illness, we can all relate to how Frustrating it is to not have a supportive partner or just a support system in general. And seeing as I am a mental health professional, I'm like 20% qualified to give advice on how to be a supportive partner. Um, Just a cool 20. Just a cool 20. It's more than most people have. (laughs) So, you know, this could be, this doesn't necessarily have to be a romantic partner. This is honestly just being a good support system for literally anyone in your life that has mental illness. Um, But seeing as this is a sex and dating podcast, obviously it's geared more towards the partners of people. Um, So just, you know, honestly, how to be supportive to your loved ones who have mental illness. Um, It can honestly save your relationship because if you're a piece of shit uh, while your loved one is going through it, they're going to end up just cutting you out eventually because they don't fucking deserve that toxic bullshit. So this is the main goal is not to make anyone feel shitty about things that they might have said in the past or didn't say, but to kind of just educate someone, whether it's one person on simply just how to be there um, for some little facts, according to the National Alliance of Mental Illness, or NAMI. Um, in the United States, one in five adults will have experienced some sort of mental illness in their lifetime, and suicide is the second leading cause of death in persons between 10 and 34, the first being heart disease. Um, so, yeah. It's, it's a very prevalent issue, and for it to be so stigmatized is honestly astonishing with how prevalent it is. And fortunately, we live in a time where it's becoming more mainstream to talk about going to therapy, to talk about mental illness. And I think it is that destigmatization is starting to happen, except with the fucking Joker, because that's going to set us back a little Full bit. Full circle episode. I know, but uh, that'll set us back a little bit, but it's okay. Uh, we'll recover because we are strong. And we are awesome, and I'm not at all bitter, Um, but 
Key point, mental illness is incredibly prevalent and often misdiagnosed or not diagnosed because of stigma. So we as a society do folks with mental illness an honest disservice. Uh, We assume that if you have a diagnosis of major depressive disorder, you're automatically suicidal. Mm -hmm. Um, If you have bipolar or schizophrenia, you hallucinate and you can't function, quote unquote, normally. These are false. These are harmful. I also think it's funny that like... The expectation of, oh, you're depressed, just figure out you can function. Yeah. It ranges so wildly depending on the stigmatization of each disorder. Yeah, exactly. And, like, the people that I see, I often have people ask me about the patients that I see on my units. And I work predominantly on the acute psychiatric unit as well as the ECT unit, which is electroconvulsive therapy, still exists. Otherwise known as shock therapy for those who are like, what? Um, Still exists. It's under general anesthesia. It's actually very beneficial, has little side effects. We, you can do it on people who are pregnant. Like that's how safe it is. Um, It's super cool to see it have such positive outcomes, but we can destigmatize that on a different episode. (laughs) Um, But anyway, let's have a whole episode about men who have told me that they'll fix me. Ooh, yeah. You or men, just men you, wanting you to be their therapist. Yeah. Or you don't need medication. We'll fix you. Oh, God. I don't want you to have to rely on medication. Lord have mercy. I don't want you to have to be like this. <laughs> okay, I was like this before you, and I'll be like this after, after you. you. <laughs> um, the medication has uh, been there for me. More than you. Yeah. Skull, fuck yourself. Yeah, pretty much. So, obviously, these stigmas are false and they're harmful. Um, And in my opinion, one of the greatest ways to have a successful recovery and a better outcome is by having a strong support system. That is, without a doubt, vital to someone's recovery from mental illness um, or just, you know, experience with mental illness is having that strong backbone, whether it be a group of friends, a partner, whatever. Um, That's like, that's not even my opinion. That's an honest fact. Um, So without further ado, here's how to not be an asshole, courtesy of psychology today and myself. (laughs) So the first tip is to... Understand and do not undermine someone's mental illness. So if someone tells you that they have anxiety, major depressive disorder, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, borderline personality disorder, you name it, I don't give a fuck. You do not get to decide how severe or not severe it is. Um, Your job is to listen to that person and... Not be an asshole. Not be an asshole and try to educate yourself by either engaging with them about their illness if they're willing to talk to you about it or on your and on your own time reading about these illnesses especially if it's someone that you're in a relationship with I think it's so important to try to educate yourself because like although they might be willing to talk to you about their experiences it means so much to know that someone that you love is making an effort and you don't have to explain things to them constantly exactly because Although to a degree it's our job to do some education, it's not our job to educate you on everything. Mm-hmm. Like I've had to learn a lot about a lot of things on my own um, because that's just how knowledge works. Mm-hmm. 
And so an excellent um, book that was recommended is called I'm Not Sick, I Don't Need Help by Dr. Xavier Amador. I've personally never read it, but it's got some good reviews. It says that um, this is according to a Psychology Today article. It says um, it gives practical suggestions about how to help someone with mental illness who don't necessarily believe that they're sick. So that's a that's a separate type of issue to deal with. But I think you it's mean my still entire family. Yeah, but I think it's still understanding um, a lack of insight. And I think it's talking about specifically when the people who have the mental illness don't believe that they're sick. Um, you mean which, my entire family. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> um i'm gonna read this book wow y'all but you can probably learn some tips and tricks on um how to talk to someone about mental illness because mm-hmm. because of the stigmatization people also have a hard time dealing with any diagnosis as well and they're less likely to seek treatment mm-hmm. um with that tip number two is to uh instead of guessing what will help someone just ask them. Uh, typically, people know themselves better than you do. Yeah. So if you just want to, you know, ask them what helps them during a crisis or whatever, whether it's a panic attack, depressive episode, um, that's always a good thing. Maybe don't do it in the middle of the panic attack. Yeah. But if they open up to you about their illnesses, you know, definitely take time to say, you know... If you're having a moment, whatever that moment is, you know, what helps you? And this is a question that I ask patients when they, you know, get admitted to the units. I'm like, what are signs, like, what gets you worked up? What gets you anxious? What gets you angry? Whatever. And what helps you calm down? Because that way, if something happens, I can at least begin to know how to help them. Because it isn't like the movies where we just rush them, jump on them, give them yeah. drugs, and sedate, like tranquilize and restrain them. Um, you know, we try to verbally de-escalate as much as possible and establish that rapport. And that's the same with you know being with your loved ones or something like that. And everyone's different. For me, music is a very large part of my like self care and the way that I handle my anxiety as well as like cleaning. Um, Amen, sister. Yep. Yeah. And so, like, these ladies can attest when Amanda's stressed out, she does shit to her hair, she cleans, she gets a tattoo. She cuts her hair shorter, she She gets a tattoo. Mm -hmm. (laughs) At least the cleaning thing is, like, productive, right? True, yeah. Like, my... I love cleaning. Yeah, I will, like, heavily clean my apartment, and then I'll cry, and it's Mm -hmm. great. Um, But, yeah, so just asking people, there's no harm in it. Um... That being said, though, if someone is in an acute psychiatric crisis, um, they're a threat to harm themselves or other people, it is never a bad idea to get help, to try to get them some sort of help, whether that's calling a hotline to see what you should do, taking them to a hospital, etc. I want to point that out. It's hard because we have plenty of people who are involuntarily committed, but in the end, um, getting them into a safe place is important. So mm-hmm. I want to preface, like, if you have someone in acute psychiatric distress, obviously getting them help is yeah. number one priority. Take what measures you need to take. Yeah, to get them help. Um, number three is don't tell someone to just 
get over it. Or to just chill. Or just stop being anxious. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, I I know. Do you need to take a... Take a breath. Take a chill pill. Yeah, I do. I'm not chill. I just like literally (laughs) take chill pills. Why why be sad when you can be glad? Maybe you should just like get out in the sun more. Maybe you should exercise. Have you tried working out? I do yoga. Have you tried like CBD? Have you tried? Oh, CBD. Bitch. Don't even get me started. Okay, I'm a big advocate for for marijuana anything, but like that's not CBD. Fix so it's like me. the people in my face with CBD. I'm like, chill, chill. It really, you know, acupuncture does wonders for like suicidal thoughts. Acupuncture also does wonders for people with like back problems. With back problems, <laughs> bullshit. And for old people, yeah, who have um, and also you have to do it for an extended period of time. It's yeah. not just a one and done. No, one of my so, coworkers got acupuncture. Maybe you should get for, a hobby. Um, what's that called? I know, but you, you chicken pox. You had chicken pox before, and then you get something else. Shingles. Shingles. Yeah, I mean it helps. Yeah. but like you can't like it's not just you do it once and you're fixed. Right. You have to like do it Sorry, multiple times. No, yeah. you're good. But saying shit like this is the ultimate slap in the face. And honestly, I think we can all agree when it's better to just like say nothing. Yeah. Than to say something like that. So, although the intentions are typically good and not meant to be irritating or demeaning, what that does is that diminishes our experiences as people with mental illness and tells us that you fucking don't understand anything and are not willing to listen to us when we're trying to like talk about something. And so, in those moments when you want to say, like, just get, like, because you don't understand what's going on and that's okay to not to not understand or to not get it, it's important to just kind of check yourself, check your privilege as an able-bodied person and just say maybe silence is the best answer or just say, how can I be supportive to you right now? Like, mm-hmm. what do you need from me? Um, something like that can be helpful because... Yeah. Sometimes it's hard, like when I'm super anxious or worked up, it's hard for me to vocalize to someone what I need. But if someone were to say, what can I do for you right now? I'm more likely to ask for help. Yeah. Versus get, like, if someone was to be like, well, just don't be anxious. Girl, that's the number one way to get me pissed off. Girl, if I could. (laughs) Right? Wow, I'm magically cured. I'm cured. Yeah. And the last thing is to just have realistic expectations. Recovery in any sense, is not linear. So people can have good months, they can go years, etc., and then relapse. And that's just part of the process. I recently lost quite a bit of weight because of medications I went on, and I gained some of it back, and I started having very... With eating disorders, there's like this little voice that you hear in your head that that is basically the voice of the eating disorder, and I started getting that, but a lot louder. Mm-hmm. And became fixated on my body and became fixated on my weight again. And I was starting to have these self-destructive thoughts. And I haven't had issues with my eating disorder for years. But because recovery is not linear and you never mm-hmm. are fully just like cured of these things. Yeah. You know, I was worried that I was going to relapse because I was like, well, I don't, I don't want to get my appetite back. Because I want to keep losing weight, mm-hmm. which is toxic and not good. Um, so understanding that it's not it's not a linear process, and it's okay to make mistakes, and it's a learning curve for everyone, whether it's you as the partner 
or you as the person with the mental illness. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not know the answers. But the important thing is that you're trying to be understanding. You're trying to be supportive. And you are a champion for the person that you love that is going through the shit. Because you should also take it with the idea of having a relapse or having a new issue crop up is not always stumbling backwards. It's you pressing forward in your life and having to navigate with this extra weight on your shoulder. So in your case, you were on some different medications. It wasn't necessarily the same thing you'd previously experienced, Mm -hmm. which is why it's just as hard. Yeah. Getting a new, having depression and getting a new job or having depression and navigating relationships, like every single experience is different. It's never going to be the same it's not as if we're we're rolling back or stepping backwards. We're still pressing on, and you're still making progress as a person. You just need to kind of see yourself as this linear timeline who is wearing the heavier backpack or who is maybe you have a blindfold on, whatever it might be, or you can compartmentalize of like, hey, I am making progress I am not exactly where I was yesterday. I'm not exactly where I was six years ago. But there's always going to be issues. It's not necessarily you stepping backwards. It's Mm -hmm. you maybe stepping sideways. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Recovery's not fucking linear, though. Nope. And having a mental illness does not make you any less important as a person. Not at all. Very often, it can make you very driven. And, uh give you the crazy motivation to start a funny podcast that your friends come on and you're very grateful to have them so with that said dear dear friends what is your happy ending this week what makes your your heart sing and your life tick and yeah what's what's the good stuff in the in the middle of your ice cream cookie sandwich that we just because we cream. just had ice cream cookie the sandwiches. Ice cream cookie sandwich. Thank you, Umami Burger, for that bomb ass ice that cream. That was amazing. Yeah, yeah that was honestly phenomenal. I um, think on this subject, my uh, happy ending is going to be that Good Mouth is or Big Big Mouth is back on Netflix, okay. um, which is fantastic. Nick Kroll cartoon. If you've not seen it, it's John Mulaney and Nick Kroll, and it has a really, mm. really, really good take on uh, adolescence and mental health. There's a whole, like, there's a whole character, uh, like, metaphor of for depression, and it's this sleepy cat that weighs on you and like just kind of lays on top of you, mm-hmm. so you That's don't get out of bed. Analogy. It's such a it's such metaphor? a good what's the, metaphor. What's the word I'm looking for? Because it's it's a it's this relaxing cat who's just like no. I think metaphor. I think metaphor is it. You don't need to get up right now. You just can't do it. Let's just lay here, and like it's such a good. You don't need to go to the gym. Right, and it's such a... You don't need to go to work. Right, and being that little voice, there's also a, a shame wizard mm. that is the the little voice in your head that makes you feel shame. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just such a good metaphorical look at all of the crazy psychosis, crazy shit that we deal with. I'm so glad that it's back. I already started watching it. Amanda walked into my apartment today and she's like, is that a vagina? I'm like, yes, that's a vagina voiced by Kristen Wiig. <laughs> by nice. Kristen Wiig. So, I'm happy that that's back because it makes me feel very seen. And I hope this episode made you feel very seen. Made me feel seen. 
see you. I was a scene kid. Yeah. <laughs> that you were. Any other happy <laughs> that endings, you kids? you were. Honestly, my happy ending was that fucking Impossible Burger I had today. Fair. It was phenomenal. Fair. Because I was so fucking hungry. Any day where I can have ice cream more than once is a good day. Indeed. Truth. We had ice cream twice, guys. Pretty cool ice cream from Logan Square was the bomb.com. Mm-hmm. Another ice cream cookie sandwich. Thank you, guys. Well, last one thing. One last thing. Last thing. I'm going to pull this microphone over to, towards me because this is a dramatic reading. Oh, man. And it's, it's a lengthy one. It's a lengthy one, and I hope it makes you uh, perk up a little bit because this has been a little downer of an episode. So here on our listener mail is a story that involves frogs. I was 18 or 19, and I got set up on a date by a friend. I had just gotten out of a bad relationship, and she wanted me to see a good guy. The man worked with her husband for the county police. He and I exchanged numbers, but don't exchange photos because we both wanted to get to know each other as, as a person and not judge based off of looks. He was honest. He told me he was a little bit bigger. When I hear a little bit bigger, I think of a guy who's stocky or has a minor gut. Not a deal breaker, so it wasn't an issue. This does get a little fat shaming, FYI. I was having some car issues, so we agreed to have him pick me up for our date. He sends a text saying that he'll be there in 30 minutes, which I appreciate, so I know how much longer I have to finish my makeup. 30 minutes goes by, and I think I hear a car pull into the driveway, but I wasn't sure. Two minutes goes by, and I hear honking. Yep, the guy is honking his horn to let me know that he's there. He doesn't come to my door or even send a text. He honks. Honk. I go outside and walk to his truck, and I'm struggling to get in. I'm only 5'1", and this, his truck is lifted. I want to get right back out. This man is more than a little big. He was huge. I'm talking close to 350 pounds big. It's just like a football player. Calm down. I was irritated about that. Not that he was big, but he had led me to, he kind of lied to me about his size. He starts driving and the conversation is going well, so no issues there. I ask him where we're going and he just tells me a nice small local restaurant that I really like. All right, I can work with that as I love supporting local places. We get there and the place looks cute on the outside. He parks next to the handicapped parking, so we're really close to the door. By the time he walks to the front door, he's breathing extremely heavy and he's really out of breath. I'm trying not to show any concern, but I can't help but to wonder how this man is a police officer. You have a fair point. We get inside and it's a buffet. I know that's not the worst, but I really hate buffets. I just... I just never liked them, as I find them to be pretty disgusting, especially when you watch people handle the food while they're getting it. He puts me in a kind of down... This puts me in a kind of down mood, and I'm not saying anything because he, it's one of his favorite places. As we make our way through the restaurant, we get stopped multiple times because everyone knows him and wants to talk, which is slightly annoying, but fine. That I, then I hear him introduce me as his girlfriend. That's right. Our first date, and he's telling everyone that he talks to that I'm his girlfriend. People would ask how long we've been together, and and I would speak up saying it was our first date and we weren't actually dating. He looked a little sad like a puppy dog, but we weren't, and I wasn't going to tell people that we were dating. 
We finished dinner and he, we finished dating, not quite. We finished dinner and he tells me we need to go back to his place real quick because we need to get something for the second part of our date, but won't tell me what the second part is. We get into his place and there's a bunch of cars out front. I was dismissed. I dismissed it as possibly roommates. As he goes inside, as he asks me to go inside with him to grab the stuff, we walk in and I'm greeted by his entire family. Oh. Mother, father, grandparents, aunts, uncles, sisters, a brother-in-law, nieces, and nephews. This is pretty much my breaking point where I decided I can't keep looking for positives and there is no way in hell this man is getting a second date. As I'm meeting his family, they keep telling me how nice it is to meet his girlfriend. Girlfriend. There's that word again. I'm trying not to cringe as I talk to his family, but they keep calling me his girlfriend no matter how many times I tell them that this is only our first date. His nieces were adorable, and one of them asked to sit on my lap and have me braid her hair. I'm great with kids, and I won't say no to a little girl asking me to do her hair. But as I'm braiding her hair, she asks me when I'm going to become her auntie. Oh. That put me into shock. Mm. This little five-year-old just asked me when I'm going to marry her uncle. I try not to show how shocked I am and just tell her I'm not sure. Once I finish her hair and get up to talk to someone else, as I'm standing there talking to his sister, the best friend and his wife walk in the door, because that's the people who set her up on this date. I find out at this moment our date is actually going to be a double date. His sister brings up marriage, and he and does it really loud to the point where most people can hear and go silent as they're waiting to hear my response. I just say that this is our first date, so if it was going to get to that, it will be a while. In my head, I know it's never going to get to that point. <laughs> my date and his best friend go into the garage to get stuck stuff to put in the truck. As they're doing that, I get asked if I'm really wearing that. It's August. I have a cute tank top on, shorts, and a strappy sandals. Are you really going to wear that to go gigging? I have no damn clue what gigging is, so I say yes. Family members are looking shocked, and his sister has me, hands me a bottle of bug spray and tells me I'm going to need it. We get in the truck, and his friends follow us. I ask him what exactly we're going to do, and he tells me we're going frog gigging. I have no idea what the hell that is. As I come to learn, frog gigging means frog hunting. Oh, Lord. For the first date, he takes me frog gigging. Seriously, please don't take a person frog gigging for a first date. He pulls over and his friends get into the back of the truck and he drives into a big field. He finds a spot and the three of them get excited about finding some frogs. I'm pretty annoyed by now, but I'm trying to be nice and I talk to the other woman there. Once again, the damn topic of marriage gets brought up. For some reason, this is a great thing to talk about on a first date for these people. As the lady and I talk, she tells me about her wedding and tells me how they went frog gigging and caught enough to serve fried frog legs at their wedding. Good they, for you. Right? They also had hush puppies, sweet tea, lemonade, potato salad, black eyed peas, and some other stuff. And as we're talking about their wedding, her husband grabs the bat out of the truck bed, jumps out, and runs into the field. She must have seen the look on my face and tells me he's a taxidermist and probably just saw something. Sure enough, he had found a fox and looks extremely proud of himself 
as he's walking back to the truck holding the fox by the tail because he's just killed it. Oh, my God. He starts talking about his job, and I honestly have no interest. And I'm at the point where I'm tired of being nice because I've been bit by mosquitoes constantly, and the date has just been hell. It must have become apparent because he got the hint and stopped talking. Finally, the date is over, and he's driving me back home. He keeps talking about how much fun he had, how he can't wait for a second date, and how he really likes me. Icing on the cake, he lights up a cigarette as he's driving. I really hate the smell of cigarettes, and my asthma starts kicking in. We finally pull into my driveway, and he leans in for a kiss. I tell him I don't kiss on the first date, which is a lie, and I get into my house as fast as I possibly can. Good for you. The end. Jesus. I'm calling the police. I am calling the sheriff because you are clearly in the south. And I'm I am calling so sorry. the sheriff. If a man tries to take you frog gigging, say Don't no. Don't do it. If a man tries to take you frog gigging before your wedding so you can fry frog legs, say no. If Call you're serving frog legs at your wedding, say please no. reconsider getting married. <laughs> please reconsider. Please reconsider. The potato salad sounds good, though. So that is our worst date of the day. That's pretty fucking bad. That was really frog gigging. That's... Dear God. Oh, my God. I've never heard that before. I've ne- I never want to hear it again. <laughs> so, if you would like to submit your own worst date, horror story, sex mishap, boner blunder, or frog gigging story, <laughs> feel free to submit named frog or anonymous gigging. stories to 50worstdatespodcast at gmail.com or slide into our DMs at 50worstdatespod on Instagram. My Instagram is katiecoyle27. And mine is pikachu18. Sarah, what's yours? Oh, mine is Sarah Smoles, and that's Sarah with an H. Yes. And Kelsey doesn't have one. Kelsey does not have Instagram, but after today she will. One day. Yep. If you think we're valid sources of advice, which you absolutely should, and want to ask questions, we'll take those emails or DMs too. Our goal is to obviously base future episodes with stories that are not just our own, because fortunately we have not been on that many bad dates. Yeah. Um, if you want to friend me on Pokemon Go, just like <laughs> let them know. <laughs> this just is like true. let me know because I'll friend you back. There she you will beat your ass into submission, though. Yeah, she will. Um, if you love our music, it is from bensound.com. And if you love our cover, cover art, it's by Tori Scranton. You can find her at T Scranton Art on Instagram and Etsy. And without further ado, That's we have it. recorded two episodes today and we are tired. So, go more good, night. good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Adieu. 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 Adieu.